Hello, hello, and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Good morning, Benny. Buongiorno. How are you? Buongiorno. I love that. <laughs> ah. I feel a little French today. I don't know why. Ah. I just kind of feeling it. Just went with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 yes, for sure. <laughs> oh, we. Right. Oui. I. I actually am like, let's just go over there. We could, uh, we could uh, do this from Paris, couldn't we? I'm down. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I love that idea. It'd be um, a good I road sh- trip. It'd be a good. It'd be. A I'm great kidding. Road trip. You can't. We keep from where yeah. we are. It's not on the roads, Loretta. Come on. The Sky Road. <laughs> ah, the Sky Road. Okay, that right. makes that sense. That makes sense. You know, it's funny because I actually have. Um, a client over there in in Paris right now, and then oh. I talked to one from that's in Italy right now, and I went, "Hmm." <laughs> I hope Maybe they, we could. yeah, I hope they think the same like as America is for us. Do we think it's like more of a vacation destination overseas that way rather than this? Yeah, way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exotic, yeah, I guess exactly. I should say exotic. exotic. Yes. Yeah, exotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have people that you know because I travel and they're like. <gasps> you live in the most beautiful part of the world. And I'm like, it is a very beautiful mm-hmm. part. It's it true. Is. Seattle is, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and the weather right now, what can I say? Couldn't get any yeah. better. Couldn't get any better. Yeah. Couldn't get any better. Yeah, for sure. So uh, anyway, I am Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis located right here in the greater Seattle area. You can find out more about me at ReikiOasis.com. I do have some things coming up. The My monthly class for women, the Temple of the Divine Feminine, is going to be Saturday, July 22nd. You can attend in person or via Zoom. Sign up for everything at schedule.reikioasis.com. Um, I also have a Reiki Q&A July 20 at 11 a.m. It is just sign up for it if you can come. Um, I'll answer your questions about Reiki. Otherwise, I'll send your recording. And I do have Reiki Circle um, Sunday, July 23rd at 11 a.m. So just check the calendar for all those events. And if you want to go to Egypt, talking about traveling, I will be taking a sacred group of travelers to Egypt November 1st through the 14th. If you're uh, interested, send an email to ReikiOasis at gmail.com and ask about it. I'll send you the information. I have just a couple of slots left uh, on the trip. So it'd be great to have you come. Let's do a quick astrology check-in and then I'll bring on my guest. And we're just about, oh, well, we're not quite halfway through the month, but we're getting pretty close to it. So get ready for the energies to significantly change. On July 17th, which is Monday, we have a Cancer New Moon. And it's a time to nourish our souls and remember what is truly important to us Cancer is a very sensitive energy, and it takes courage sometimes to stand up for ourselves and to listen to our hearts, to feel our emotions, and to be able to communicate that to the world. So this new moon is bringing a sense of fresh energy, a strong healing energy, and it might allow us to feel a little bit more at peace with whatever is been troubling us and then on the same day on the 17th we have one of the biggest cosmic events of the year people have been talking about it i've been talking about it excuse me and it is the movement of the lunar nodes 
the lunar nodes move about every 18 months and they're connected to our fate and our destiny. Ooh. I know. Those are some big I deals know. right there. It is. It's a big deal. So the North Lunar Node is associated with our future, where we're headed. And as we go through um, the North Node, we always say it becomes more and more and more and sure. more. And the South Node is our past, and it becomes less and less and less as we move through the next 18 months. What were you going to say, Benny? I was going to say future, uh, future Node and past yeah. Node. Thank you very much. All right. That's how we want to put those. All right, right, make it that way. That's perfect. Whoa. Okay. All right. Well, you know, maybe get ready because uh, (laughs) from 2020 to 2022, Mm -hmm. the the lunar nodes were in Gemini and Sagittarius. So what happened during that time? We had COVID. We had restrictions of movement, especially in international mobility, such as flying around. So the South Node, are you ready with that buzzer? Was in Sagittarius. Uh, yes, <laughs> I love this. I think we need to do this for all of us. Well, although I have to double check, I want to interrupt you, but I'm only doing that for the earlier for during um, yeah, the, the yeah, post-COVID, yeah. only because I actually have an amazing girlfriend because of it. So there are a few good things that did come from it. Well, actually, you pull out a really good point oh, because excellent. South Node is not necessarily bad and North Node ah, isn't okay. necessarily good. It's just that the, the way the nodes work is, or the way they're supposed to work, is they're supposed to work together. Sure. So the South Node sort of shows us what the problem is or what it is mm, we're trying mm, to work okay. on. And the North Node brings the solution. And sometimes that means we need more of something. And sometimes it means we need less of something. But you know, you see what I mean? Ah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So you're looking for a good through, balance, I guess is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you're looking oh, okay. for a good balance. Right. right. See, everybody, we yeah. got it ironed out for you. That's right. So if you got too much fire, maybe a little bit of water, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, like that. <laughs> Just a little sprinkle. Not a fire hose. No, no, right? no. Like a water bottle. Like <laughs> Yeah, like, like a water bottle. Like you're a cat. Yeah. Like, psst, psst, get down. Sprinkling. Yeah, yeah. Get down. Psst, yeah. Get off the couch. Yes, know. yes. That's how that works. Yeah. So, um, after after we got through that, let's see where am I at in my report. <laughs> Actually, I'm fine. I love this. Um, in early 2022, the lunar nodes moved into Taurus and Scorpio. So the north node, more, 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 was Taurus or inflation. And Taurus also rules money and physical resources, right? So we've been looking at you know, what's going on with Taurus and the South node in Scorpio, less, less, less brought us the energy crisis. Energy became scarce. So energy and shared resources were the Scorpio themes, right? So the lunar nodes, um, like I said, do work together. We're coming out of that North node in Taurus, South node Scorpio. And what was, what's happening? It's kind of big stuff. So the North Node is going to move into Aries and the South Node in Libra on the 17th underneath that new moon in Cancer. So what's going to happen? It's going to get personal. So Aries and Libra are the axis of me versus you. Me, 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 you, you, you. And the South Node in Libra will highlight the problem. I'm putting that in quotes that needs to be solved in our relationship. So here's some of the ideas. 
Where are you being too accommodating? Where do you care too much about what others think of you? <laughs> Where do you leave things unsaid just because you hate conflict? Where do you lose yourself in others just because it's more comfortable to do we rather than me? And of course, none of those things are necessarily good or bad is the problem is when there's a lack of balance on that Libra Aries axis, such as not speaking up or speaking up too much or letting our partner get away with bad behavior because we're just too comfortable with status quo or too uncomfortable with speaking our truth. So what's the solution? The solution to that South node in Libra problem is, of course, the North node in Aries, which is having the courage to reclaim your identity. So take ownership of who you are, set healthy boundaries, follow through with decisive action, speak your truth, even if it feels uncomfortable, even if it leads to discussion, to find long lasting peace. Sometimes we need to go to war or have a little battle or some kind of exchange. So will this be easy for the next 18 months? Well, it might be challenging. It might be difficult. The North Node never comes easy. We are going to resist the North Node in Aries because we've been doing the South Node in Libra way too much. So we're going to find million, millions of reasons to do the same things we've been doing. Yet with the North Node in Aries, you want to go for it, whatever it may mean, because Aries is that passion, inspiration, action. Let's do it. And so to put it simply, South Node in Libra means you win. North Node in Aries means I win. And the solution is for you to work together in balance so we win. So there's going to be give and take in that, right? Uh, so during this Aries Libra nodes in the next 18 months, expect unhealthy relationships to naturally end and healthy foundation relationships to be reinvented, restructured, grow, you'll come closer together. Expect separate entities or things or people that have nothing in common to become willing to cooperate and to join forces. I love that one. And at a global level, some partnerships, some global organizations, trade agreements will be restructured. And we need that. Some entities, and when I say entities, I mean like organizations or groups or whatever, or geographical regions will seek independence and others may find new alliances. And at an individual level, we will restructure our relationships so they become an actualized version of who we as individuals are. So we might find things we don't really like about the other which sometimes is things we don't really like about ourselves. But the North Node in Aries and the South Node in Libra is going to show us that there's a difference between compromise and win-win because we want everybody to win. So I'm kind of excited Who doesn't about this want to win -win? little section. All right. That's what we're looking for. Right I'm also going to say this because I can already feel it. Um, Anything that has felt stuck or blocked, every it's gonna it's loosening up, and we're going to be moving forward. And I think that's really great. At the same time, and I'll talk about this next week, we are going into retrograde city, 
and uh, get ready because more and more planets going backwards just means we're going to restructure all of this. And this time, I'm hopeful. I'm ever hopeful, Betty. We're going to do it in a good way. I hope so, That's too. What we're going to do. Yeah. Yes. Do it. That's it. All right. That's it. That's my astrology report. And I'm going to bring on my guest. <laughs> she gets to come in after all that. Hundreds of thousands of people die from dementia every year. And their relatives and friends number in the millions. It's the club no one wants to belong to. But the good news is you can find help and you just need to know where to look. So my guest today, Leona Upton Illig, has written a book that may answer some of your questions. In her book, Mom and Dementia and Me, A Caregiver's Journey, Leona shares a layperson's and personal point of view in the hope that others can benefit from what she learned during her journey with her mom and dementia. Leona, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for that very kind introduction. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you're on this show. And I, I just want to let the listeners know, you know, I do read all the books that come my way. And um, you are an excellent writer. I I just want to um, applaud you or compliment you on how you dealt with what I call a delicate um, subject in a very approachable way. It's a personal book and uh, it's full of humor. It's full of things that we need to know about a subject that nobody really wants to talk about, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I had written other books and I never thought about writing this book at all until after my mom passed away. I had friends and even people I didn't know come up to me and ask me, what was it like? And so I, I tried to explain, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a medical professional, but I'm just an ordinary person who got confronted with a, a disease I knew very little about. And I thought, well, maybe I should write something about it, my experiences. And truly, it's in the hope that it can help other people. If there's just one thing in this book that helps somebody else, that's good enough for me. Yeah, I thank you. And I really mean it, everybody listening. If you are uh, facing uh, the issues of dementia, just get the book. It is an easy read, but it, it's one of those things where you might just want to keep it close by because you have checklists in there and things to do, which I really appreciate. Yeah. yeah. I think the checklist might be important for some people because when you're confronted with a, a disease like dementia, um, every day is something new and unexpected. You just don't know what, to, what, what you'll be facing that day. But if you have a list of a checklist of things to buy or medical equipment or things to do, like powers of attorney, it can make it a little easier for you to organize yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree because people get overwhelmed and they don't know where to turn. They don't know who to turn to and they don't even know what resources are or are not available out there. So um, let's get into your story because you have all of the components. You have everything in there. Um, can you talk about dementia a little bit and kind of introduce the audience? And I, I understand you're not a uh, medical professional, but tell us about dementia and i understand there's different types of dementia there are uh, there are many different kinds of dementia the most one the one you've heard probably the most about is alzheimer's that's probably the one that um, we know the most about 
And then there's Lewy body dementia, which is what my mom had. And then there are all a host of other kinds that you don't hear very much about. And, and the hard thing about dementia is that there's no one test that tells, yes, you have it, and this is the kind you have. They diagnose it by your symptoms. And sometimes those symptoms uh, just creep up on you. Uh, a lot of people mistake the early signs of dementia for just uh, getting to be a senior citizen. We oh, all yeah. uh, you know, forget things, or we get a little confused, and we just write it off saying, well, that's being a senior. But, they, but there are symptoms which are pretty well um, defined as dementia. And if you want me to go through a couple of those, okay. I would I, very much because I was surprised reading your book, what you had in there. And I went, oh, yeah. I, I easily do the same thing going, oh, that's just getting old. So please, yes, go through that. That's right. I want to say that a lot of people, uh, certainly in my family, we were all in denial. Dementia couldn't happen to us because it had never happened to us. There was no history in mom's family of dementia. Of course, we'd all heard about Robin Williams, but we all said, oh, that could never happen to us how wrong we were. One of the first signs of dementia in my mom, which I, which I missed completely, was she would have little spells of dizziness and uh, weakness, but they would go away. And so I think, well, you know, they're going away, don't worry about it. Uh, but they began to get longer and more frequent. And uh, the worst was we were on an escalator one time and her, her leg, a down, down escalator and her legs gave out. And she just sat right down on the escalator. And I said, Mom, oh my what gosh. are you doing down there? And she said, I don't know. I just I can't get up. Well, we were lucky that time because I was able to lift her up and we got off. But dizziness, weakness in the legs, um, loss of uh, 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 trouble with balance. If you're falling more than you normally do, that could be uh, a sign as well. But also um, hallucinations, that, that's really key. When you start having hallucinations, then you know that there's something um, probably really wrong. And mom was having some hallucinations too. And we took, one time when she fell, because um, she fell in the bathroom, we had the EMTs come and they said, well, let's take her to the ER uh, so they can look at her. And that was the first time we heard someone say uh, dementia. But, but even then we didn't really believe it. We thought, well, you know, they're saying that, but that's because maybe they don't know or they're missing something. But then it got progressively worse to the point where mom, uh, well, actually the middle stages and the later stages, mom didn't know who I was. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the key. That's when you know you're really in the middle of it. You know, I am, I'm thinking when you're talking, my, my um, father had Alzheimer's. Oh, right? yeah. He had Alzheimer's. And so I... I got to watch the progression of that, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I am, um, I am listening to you. Yeah. There is a lot of denial or just a lack of education or people don't really know what to look for. Um, your mom, you know, just sitting down on the escalator. Um, 
um, I understand in your book, you know, her gait changed a little bit. Can you um, just tell me, because she had Lewy body dementia. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between Lewy body dementia and, for instance, Alzheimer's, which okay. people are more familiar with? Yeah. Well, with Alzheimer's, um, usually it's more of a uh, mental and emotional problem. Yeah. Uh, there can be a physical problem with it too but mainly it's mental and emotional but with um louis body dementia it, it may start with physical problems and then progress on to the mental uh with my mom there was a physical problem which i missed completely we would go to the mall we would walk together side by side but at some point i realized mom was always behind me she was getting slower and not only that, when she when she walked, it would be like one foot came down harder than the other. And I thought, well, maybe this is her shoes. She needs a new pair of shoes. And I, I even said one day, Mom, yeah. we've got to get you a new pair of shoes. Well, we never made that next visit to the mall because she fell and dementia reared its head. So uh, a, a change in the gait in the walking that can be a, a, a big sign of it. And then the gradual um, mental and emotional um, decline, that, that's another part. Um, does this have anything, is it related to Parkinson's at all? I know Parkinson's can have a type of dementia. Right. It is similar to Parkinson's. Um, I don't know if there's a, a test for Parkinson's or not. I don't they, either. They don't usually put Parkinson's in with the dementias. I, I'm not sure why, but you're right. It, it's very similar and it can, and you really need to, at this point, you really need to see a doctor and get his best advice as to what you think you're dealing with because you, you don't know, unfortunately, and this is really terrible. The only way you know for sure what kind of dementia you have is with an autopsy of the brain. Oh. And no one wants you don't want that but that's the only way you can find out for sure otherwise you just look at the symptoms and you try to match them up with what um, our the scientific community currently thinks are the ones that are applicable to that disease so when when your mom fell when that when you first had the word dementia said to you um you went to the doctor. Um, yeah, because I'm I'm sitting here going, okay, so they can't really tell you what dementia, but did the doctor validate that and say, yes, it's dementia? He's, they yeah. said, probably, yes, it is. And they said, the only way you'll know is you've got to keep a close eye on her and uh, a really close eye on her because my mom was living alone in a farmhouse. She was a farmer's <laughs> wife. And she was used to being independent, but the doctor said, uh, if she wants to stay there, you've got to do a couple of things. One is you've got to get some help in there during the day. Second is you have to have a way to monitor her. And, and there are things you can do to try to, if, you're, if your patient wants to stay independent in the early stages, you can do things. You can get the medical alert, uh, the bracelet or the necklace. You can do that. Or if, you're, if your patient is good with um, computers, you can get an Apple Watch or a smart watch, any kind, 
where you can dial with a you can talk to the watch and tell call my daughter or call 911 you can do that you can put a baby monitor in in the house if you're close by you know to to have the range of it and you can also have little um I guess I don't want to call them actually surveillance devices, but it's like a little camera. Sure. You turn it on, and and you can watch your mom move around. And if you see she's not moving, that's a clue. So there are some things you can do. But eventually, if it is dementia, you're gonna you're gonna see really fast that uh, your mom can't live alone anymore. She's got to have either she's got to have some kind of full time help. Um. How long was it from the time that you became aware um, that she had symptoms of dementia until she passed away? Well, I will tell you that it was, uh, it was about two years before we heard the word dementia that I knew uh. something was off, but not quite what it, what, what it was. And then in, in 2014, uh, the doctor said dementia. And uh, she passed away in 2018. So I took care of her uh, in my house for four years. Well, the thing about dementia is you, you don't know how long your patient has. Uh, some people don't live with it for very long at all, and some do. It's just it's the unknowable. You just can't know what's ahead for you. So you just try to prepare as best you can. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm sitting with you for, I'm just kind of sensing into the journey of that, recognizing that uh, people listening might be anywhere in that, uh, on that journey. They might just be at a point where they're listening because they're wondering if, you know, their loved one is, you know, going into dementia or whatever the deal it is. And other people might be trying to deal with it. So, um yeah, we're going to take a little station break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more to Leona Upton Illig and more about her journey, mom and dementia and me, and hopefully be able to answer a lot of people's questions. This is Loretta Brown. We'll be right back. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Have you memorized every public restroom on your way to work? Sat through too many meetings with horrible stomach pain? Is no energy your new normal? It's time to spill your guts. Urgent diarrhea, chronic stomach pain, and extreme fatigue can be signs of Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation can help you learn more and even find a specialist. Don't keep your symptoms to yourself. Get help today at SpillYourGuts.org. 
That's spillyourguts.org. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show. And um, my guest today, Leona Upton Illig, we're talking about mom and dementia and me. Just a reminder that these shows are archived. You can download them for free and listen to them anytime you want at the 1150 KKNW archives for the original Loretta Brown Show. We're also on iTunes, Podcast One, Megaphone, Spotify, Twitter, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud. I'm sure I left something out, but uh, the show is all over the place. Please listen to it again and um, uh, take notes. Uh, during the break, I was asking Leona a question. I, I really wanted to answer it on the air also as to what led her, you know, she had mentioned earlier in the show, you know, to share with people, but what really led her to write this book and share and also because you it's about your mom right yeah well uh, i am a writer and i've written some other books and a lot of short stories but i never thought i would write about my family i just especially not about my mom's illness it it never even occurred to me that anybody would want to read it let alone that i would want to write it but after mom passed away, yeah, there she is. There's yeah, I'm just, I'm just showing a picture of mom and dad. <laughs> I love that. It's on the back of the book. I just love this picture. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, after mom passed away, a lot of people came up to me and said, what was it like? Or what was the greatest challenge? Or what do you wish you had done differently? And I would answer, but so many people started asking me that question. I thought, well, maybe I should just write a, a little book about it and tell people what I went through and the hope that maybe it could help them. So what I had to make it easy was a journal. I, I kept a really uh, easy uh, to keep journal, just a few lines every day. And, that, and that's what I really recommend everybody to do. When you, when you think you have a, um, a serious illness in the family, it doesn't have to be dementia, any illness. Keep a little journal of some sort yeah. and write down yeah. what's happening, like the changes in your patient or some new medication, because it's so helpful to have that when you go to the doctor's office and they start asking you questions and some of them you're just not going to um, no. think about ahead of time. So yeah. for everybody out there, <clears throat> try to keep a little journal. doesn't have to be anything specific. Doesn't have to be on a computer. It can be on paper. It doesn't matter. But but do something to remind you about what's happening. I also think it's very healing and therapeutic um, to go back and and look through it at some point, maybe even after they have passed on, um, just to just to go through that journey again with new eyes. Uh, but it is often the the little things. Um, I was telling Leona during the break. You know, my father had Alzheimer's. And so I got to watch the progression of that. And my joy, if if there was one, because I'm, I'm going to talk, ask Leona about this too. As time goes by, they forget who you are. And uh, my dad would say, I, I, I know you're you you might be one of my daughters, or I I don't quite know who you are. But we shared music because we always did music together. And so I brought a keyboard into his room, and we would sing and and we'd sing all the old hymns and the old cowboy songs and all the stuff that he liked to sing because he would remember every word of the music and not know who I was. So that was our connection and it would bring us joy and we'd laugh about it. Um, So you can figure out how to reach out and do those things. 
Um, I want to ask you, was your mother aware of what was happening to her? Yes, for quite a while, she was aware. At first, in the early stages of dementia, she was absolutely aware that she something was off. She wasn't quite herself. When I brought her back to my house in uh, 2014, uh, one day she was sitting on the sofa and she still knew who I was at that point. And she just looked at me and said, Leona, there's something wrong with my mind. And I, I brushed it off. I said, no, mom, you're fine. Or, you know, denial, right? You're, you're doing okay. Yeah. Mom did know that something was wrong. And uh, now looking back on it, I realized that. And that's, that's a little scary to me that mom knew what was happening. And there was nothing she could do about it. From at that point, uh, after the, I'd say about a, a year or so after that point, uh, she began forgetting who I was. And one time I said, Mom, do you know what my name is? And she looked at me and said, you know, it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so I will tell people, you know, dementia is a terrible, uh, sad disease, but try to make some good memories wherever you yeah. can. And you will have some of those good memories. There will be some, some funny things that will happen and just hang yeah. on to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. It's, it's very, very true. Um, I want you to follow through for um, our listeners a little bit, the journey. So mom's got dementia, things are happening. She was living in her farmhouse. What just kind of take us through that journey from that moment to when you brought her to your home, because I think that's an important part of your story. It was a big part because um, mm -hmm. when my dad passed away some years ago, uh, I looked at mom and I said, I'll never put you in a nursing home, mom. I'll we'll take care of you. I should never have said that because looking back on things now, I can see that maybe mom would have been better off in assisted living. But I had made that promise to her and I decided I had to keep that promise. So yeah. one of the things I will say to people is, you just don't know. I mean, you can say something like, I'll try never to, you know, have you go to assisted living. I'll try to keep you home, but don't, don't make, you know, blanket promises. So anyway, when, when the doctor said, uh, finally said uh, she needs 24-hour care, I tried to do that. But I, I couldn't eventually because it was so expensive. Uh, I, ha I have great empathy and, um, and, and, and pride and, and wonderful care for the caregivers who came to our house. They were wonderful, all of them. But to do 24-hour care is, is very difficult. First of all, they can only be there eight hours at a time. So you have three different shifts of, of nurses coming in. It's very hard for people for dementia to, to see those people coming in. Mom was having some trouble figuring out who our neighbors were, let alone strangers coming in. So that was very, it was very hard. It was very expensive. And also, um, you didn't have the same caregivers all the time. The caregivers are just like us. They have family emergencies. They have <laughs> other things they have to do. And so... Um, there are new people you have to get used to. It was just too hard for mom. So I, I thought, well, I've seen what the caregivers do and I can do that, why not? Because I know mom, 
I know mom better than anybody else, right? Right. But I had to get her away. I had to get her out of the house and convince her to come to my house, which she did not want to do. <laughs> she, no. She, no, she wanted to stay right where she was. Right. And the only way I got her to do to my house was because I uh, she had a fall. And when she uh, did stayed a few days in the hospital, but she hadn't broken anything, so could bring her home. But I said, Mom, you're recovering from this fall. You should come to my house for at least a week or two to recover. And then you can go back. And she agreed. I think maybe she knew, you know, yeah. what, was, what I was really getting at. But yeah. she agreed, yeah. and I got her to come down to the house, our house. And... Uh, she never went back. Well, I shouldn't say that. Um, for a long while, I would take her back to the farmhouse once a week to let her um, see the house and know it was okay. But she was living with me now. So that's how I got her to my house. Um, and then uh, we faced the problem where mom didn't want to leave my house. She didn't want to go to the doctors anymore. And let me just take a glass of yeah 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 please do one of the things i found out right away is that you can in most places you can find a nurse practitioner or a doctor who will come to the house it took a while for me to find that person uh what i what i realized is that they don't they don't often advertise because they have more than enough work to handle i mean it's really uh becoming quite a thing now to have house, house visits. But we did find a nurse practitioner who came to mom's house, to our house, and would do, she would do mom's blood work. They could even do x-rays and just the general examination. And that was a lifesaver because mom just didn't, she was withdrawing more and more into herself. She didn't want to go out of the house. She didn't want to talk very much and eventually Except for asking for her breakfast. She loved pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Except for all of that, uh, she um, she didn't talk very much anymore. She was she was actually becoming a different person. Um, yeah. A nice person, but but a different person. Um, you bring out a couple of things there. I just want to pull them out. Um number one, I, I'll just talk about the pancakes for a moment. <laughs> And, um, and what they eat. Cause oh. you meant, yeah. Yeah. Mom, mm -hmm. mom was not eating a healthy diet at all. No matter what I put on the table, she would pick at it and take either the things that had sugar in them or, or things like pancakes, which she really loved. And so one time when the, um, the nurse practitioner had come to the house, I, I brought her into the kitchen and I said, what can I do about mom's diet? Because we're not doing very well at all. And the nurse practitioner said, you have to put things in perspective. She said, I'm not sure um, how long your mom has, but the diet's not going to make a difference at this point. And she said, you have to pick your battles. Uh, yeah. Don't fight with your mom over, over things you know you can't change. And she said, the diet is something at this point you cannot change. As long as she's eating and drinking, that's good enough. And, and that was good advice. <laughs> I, I love what you're saying, because I'm thinking about when I was a little girl, a mom would be like, okay, now eat your broccoli, and then you can have your cookie, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
In this case, you just said, oh, forget about the broccoli. Here's a cookie. Yeah, that's right. I had cookies for her. Uh, sometimes she had um, the um, pancakes three times a day. That's what she wanted. That's what I gave her. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, thing about not wanting to leave the house or maybe even leave her room. Right. Um, is that is that part of dementia? I mean, I can kind of logically understand why you might not want to do that. Um, maybe you don't remember things, right? Right. Yeah. I think I think it's insecurity. Um, okay. Yeah, mom didn't want to, after at the very end. Mom wouldn't leave her room either. I yeah. could I could get her out into the kitchen once in a while to have uh, you know dinner with with my husband and myself, but otherwise it got to be just the just the house and then just her room and uh she felt safe i think the key is where where are they going to feel safe right and you have right. to listen to them to find out like i thought she'd feel safe with with me out in the living room but that turned out to be not so not so true she'd rather feel safe in the in their bedroom and so uh that that's where she at the end uh that's where she spent most of her time yeah i'd like to say something about hospice yes um i didn't know anything about hospice either when we all started this uh but my mom had a um a psychotic breakdown which i'll talk about later if you want but yes please at do this, at this mm -hmm. point after the psychotic breakdown and the change in medicines uh her nurse practitioner sat down with me and said i think it's time we put your mom in hospice and so i said well does that mean she only has six months to live and she said not necessarily it just means that their the prognosis is that if there's no cure for this and there was no cure at that time or this time either uh six months is a relatively uh accurate framework for for what we have to work with but it can be much longer than that and she said, you can even, this is the hospice of the Chesapeake in Maryland. If you're in hospice for six months and we, and we extend you, you can keep on extending you. Or if you should get better, you can go out of hospice and then you can come back into hospice. So it's not like you have to die in six months. And I did not realize that. You just have to have a doctor or a nurse practitioner say, it looks like that could be the case. And um, hospice was wonderful. Hospice got yeah. a, a hospital bed, uh, which I hadn't even thought of. And they had a nurse come to the house two or three times a week. They were on call so that if I couldn't get hold of the um, nurse practitioner, I could call them. And they would either come to the house as soon as they could or talk me through it. They were a great comfort, and um, I really can't say enough about all the great work they did. Yeah, I, I also can't say enough good about hospice. Um, Just can't. I mean, um, they help you in every way possible. You know, they really do, and they're there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend people to check, check that out. Yeah. Um, talk about this psychotic episode and the reason is because I know that people do run into this and they don't know what to do about it, right? Oh, it was terrible. We, I, yeah. Mom was a sweet, kind person. Never said a bad word to anybody. <laughs> uh, 
Well, one day, uh, David and I were in the living room, or the kitchen. He was in the kitchen. I was in the living room. And mom came out of her room, which is kind of odd. And she walked over to the refrigerator, opened it up, and looked in. And I thought, I wonder, wonder why she's doing that. Closed the refrigerator door, and then she came to the, to the hallway. And she said something like, this is the end. You've kidnapped me. I'm getting out of here. I want the police right now. I'm getting out of this house. So this was, you know, a shock. And David looked up, and he couldn't believe it either. Um, so we, we tried to uh, get her to sit down. Well, mom's only 100 pounds, but you'd be surprised how strong 100 pounds can be. Yeah. And she pushed me out of the way, and she grabbed <laughs> David's hair. Oh, and uh, so he, he let go. And so I told David, call 911 and get an ambulance here. We'll get her to the hospital. And then David said, well, just open the door and walk out with her. Make sure she doesn't fall. Because there's not there's no place to go outside except the front yard. So we did that. I opened the front door and she came out and she was sort of stunned when she came outside. Like this wasn't what she was expecting. But she kept yelling, I want the police. I want the police. And I thought to myself, what are the neighbors going to think? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we, we I got her to sit down. <laughs> And David came out and said, I called 911 and they said they'd send somebody right away. Well, uh, when David was describing what happened, the uh, receptionist at 911 thought it was a domestic disturbance rather than a medical issue. So guess who came? The police. <laughs> Which is what mom wanted all along. She, that's what she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the police came over to me and they said, what's going on here, ma'am? And I said, I was really hoping for an ambulance to take her to the hospital. And I explained what was happening. And then they explained to me, well, um, we can't take her to the hospital legally because we have no reason to do that. And so I said, well, what could I do? And they said, well, we can stay here for a while. And the, the good thing was mom was getting a little tired. It was, it was sunny out <laughs> and it was calm. And, and so mom was calming down. And so I told David, well, go, go call our doctor. And, uh, and as soon as we got the doctor, the police said, okay, we could, we're going to leave now. I think you're okay. So they did. And the doctor said, prescribed with antipsychotic medicine. Doctor had seen this thing before. And so she knew that this wasn't something, you know, totally out of the ordinary. This is something that can happen. And she prescribed the mildest antipsychotic there was. And I ran up to the giant pharmacy, got it, brought it back, and gave it to mom. And in about 10 or 15 minutes, Mom said, I think I'd like to take a nap now. So wow. I said, that's good. <laughs> wow. So I, I put her in bed and took her, she took a nap. And I called the doctor and the doctor said, I'll be there tomorrow. And she said, she'll probably sleep all the night through. Yeah. And so the night, the next day, uh, mom was awake and she'd had her pancakes. And um, the doctor came in and said, hi, how you doing? Fine. That's her only one word answer. And she said, do you remember what happened yesterday? No. And, and she really didn't. It was, it was wiped wow. out of her, at least I think. 
with dementia, you never, you're never going to know for sure what they're thinking. I mean, you think you can tell, but you don't know. But anyway, she, she seemed to have no memory of it. So at that point, the doctor said, well, it's happened once now, this psychotic episode, and it could happen again. But what we're going to do is keep her on this low dosage. And you're going to have to keep a really strict eye on her because uh, we need, because sometimes you can have very bad reactions to these antipsychotic medicines. So you can't just give them out and walk away. You've got to watch them. So we did that. And uh, the, the doctor then said, and, and then now's the time to talk about hospice. And that's when hospice came in. Yeah. And uh, I'll be ever thankful for, uh, to all the nurse practitioners and all the caregivers and hospice. They were, they were really great. Yeah. I want to uh, uh, ask you a question, you know, because the, I, the decision to have your mother move in with you as, and I understand you promised her. So versus a skilled nursing facility, because many people face that issue. Um, in your book, you talk about what to do to get your house ready for that. And you also point out, and you're even talking about it now, of the help that is available. But um, what can you? What advice can you give people? And and I really mean this. When people are making that tough decision, should mom go to a skilled nursing facility? Should not mom come be with us? What what do they really need to think about? Well, the first thing is, can you take your mom to a skilled nursing facility so she can see what it's like? If she's at that early stage, she might be able to say, yeah, this is fine, or I'd like to be here. If you're not at that stage and you have got to, and you feel like you have to bring her home, one of the most important things is try to get uh, some kind of a uh, little bathroom set up for yourself on the first floor for your mom. It can just be a little area that's roped off um, with a, a table, a basin of water, a wash rag to wash up with or and a potty chair. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. We were so lucky. We had built a, a little addition onto our house that had a bathroom in it. Um, Mom never used the tub. And so I would say, you, you don't need a tub. In fact, Mom wasn't even using the shower very much. She was just doing sponge bath. And after a while, I took that over with her. So you could do something very small like that and see how it works out. Uh, the point is to try to not let your mom have to go up and down stairs because that, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And not to have yourself go up and down stairs either because if you're the caregiver, you can't wear yourself out. Right. You, you've got to take care of yourself too. So try to get rid of the stairs if at all possible. If, if you can only just do the potty chair and, and a little table, with a basin of water, that's okay too. Whatever, whatever your mom is comfortable with, that's the key. Um, one thing I found out, and that was that, um, don't go out and buy all these expensive things if your mom's not gonna use them. And just to try to do the things you know your mom will, will enjoy or at least use. Yeah, and I, I wanna point out to people again, in your book, Mom and Dementia and Me, you actually lay this out very clearly. Like you have a chapter on getting your house ready. You have, you talk about things like um, uh, 
um, like I said, you, you kind of have a list and you also have things to think about after they pass away. Now your, your mother passed away at home. Yes, she did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and hospice took care of everything for me. They, I called hospice and they came and they, they had to certify the death. And then I had already made arrangements with a funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk for just a minute or two about after, because like I say, you have a, you have a, a chapter in here of, oh my goodness, all these things. And I'm going to say this too, you know, the copies of the death certificates and things like that, which I do understand people listening are like, well, I'm not sure I want to talk about that, but it is part of the journey. Oh yeah. yeah. That's why I have that list in the book because it is hard for people to talk about, but you're going to need to have copies of the death certificate. You're going to need to have to go to banks. So if you, if your mom has any bank accounts and you're going to have to deal with that. And then, you know, a power of attorney it only works if you're still alive and if you and once you're gone you have to have something else to show them and that's the death certificate and then if a will oh please try to get your mom to do a will of some sort even if it's a simple one that she just signs her name to a will a power of attorney um for not only a power of attorney when she's still alive for a legal yeah. and financial affairs and health affairs yeah yeah you have really good practical advice about bills coming in and things oh. like that and i'm also thinking the importance of going through people's things with them yeah and and sorting through these things and and don't wait until after do it yeah do yeah. it ahead of time you yeah. can't do everything afterwards without thinking about it but try not to and if you can, try to get the help of an experienced lawyer. Sometimes your Department of Aging for your county or your state will have lists of lawyers that do even pro bono work yeah. for seniors. Yeah. So look for, look for them too. Yeah. Well, um, it has been absolutely um, delightful, actually, to have you on my show, Mom and Dementia and Me, A Caregiver's Journey. And... Leona Upton Illig, what what would you really like to say to people listening and where can they find you? Uh, well, first of all, um, I do have a website. Um, it's um, threevillagesmedia.com, but it's in that book too. And the book is available on in Amazon or through the publisher. It's uh, Secant Publishing, S-E-C-A-N-T. Part of the proceeds are donated to, I donate to Hospice of the Chesapeake. So some of it goes for good. But the main thing I want to leave your listeners with is don't go through this alone. And you're not alone. There is help out there. Seek it out wherever you can find it, whether it's your senior center or um, your the county or the state or uh, your community or your neighbors, your family, if you have a religious community. There is help out there. Uh, don't go through it alone. You don't have to. 